0: fifth grade. My parents get home from a parent-teacher conference, and they are visibly upset. Um, I'm a good kid, you know. I, I had good grades. I hadn't done anything in class to get me in trouble that I would have thought my teachers had noticed. Um, and later I found out they were upset because my fifth grade teachers decided to tell my parents that I had no leadership skills and that I would struggle to find success in middle school and beyond, which <clears throat> really sucks to hear um, as a fifth grade boy, but also just like as a parent, like of course my parents were mad. That's like a horrible thing to say. They didn't say anything good about me that whole meeting and probably contributed to, probably contributed to why I uh, had self-esteem issues uh, the rest of my life, but you know. Whatever, uh, it's, um, it's fine. I went through middle school insecure and I didn't like being the center of attention. I didn't like um, have my own identity really. I was just kind of like a collage of things that I liked about my friends. So if like some of my friends wore ASIC sneakers, I tried to wear those. If other of my friends played a certain video game, even if I didn't have that console, I would like try and learn about that game. So I like knew what I was talking about. Um, if you had asked me like, Hey, what, uh, what are you up to? Like, what do you like to do? I'd be like, uh, well, here's some things that I do with my friends. And like, there's like, I I didn't have a lot going on for myself and I was just insecure. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but there's like a shift for me, uh, in that right around ninth grade. Um, this didn't change everything overnight, but it was certainly the beginning of a process that like I started to. Understand what my leadership skills were, and I started to become more of the person that God created me to be. Um, I had been serving in Beach Kids, and our kids pastor Courtney, she uh, pulled me aside and just said, "Hey, uh, I, I want you to serve a little bit differently than you've been serving because uh, I'd been a life group leader." And so I was like, "Okay, like, what do you have in mind?" And and she said, "I want you to storytell and host." for our preschoolers. And I was like, "Ooh, okay, Courtney, um, you know me. Uh, I'm small and weak. And also, I don't like being in front of people. And I don't think I could do that at all. And she said, no, I really think you have the gifts. I really think that if you have the opportunity and somebody coaches you through it, that you'd be really good at it. And I think it's what you're supposed to do. And I said, okay, I'll I'll try it. Um, You've twisted my arm. Great. She uh, proceeded to give me a oversized Superman t-shirt that went down to about here um, and then a uh, probably six times too big for me set of uh, DC superhero pajama pants, a mask and a cape because my character for hosting was this superhero. Um, And so for the month of October, my ninth grade year, freshman year, probably when you're the most embarrassed you've ever been in your life, uh, that's what I was doing. And I read my lines really robotically, and I did horrible. And if I had a video of it, I would show you because it was probably hilariously bad. Um, but I've, I've come a long way. I had opportunities after that uh, in promised land to be storyteller, which I still do now. Um, over summer, I was interning for beach students before we had like the churchwide internship, and I got to speak on mission trips and at United, And then uh, now I have a job doing it. And like, this is part of what I get paid to do, which is amazing. I love it. It's like, it truly, I cannot see myself not doing this in the future. Like, this is truly where I feel like I'm supposed to be. And that conversation that I had with Courtney truly changed the rest of my life. I would not be here right now in this job, on this stage, during this series, if Courtney hadn't had that conversation with me. And I can tell you that it was that conversation because words have power. The words we speak have power. And so Courtney's words of encouragement and pointing out gifts that I didn't realize I had, those words changed the course of my life forever. And we've, we've been talking uh, about this for two weeks now. Tyler talked about how there's two options with our words. We can either speak words of death or we can speak Words of life, and it's in these moments where every word that we say falls into one of those two categories. There's no in between, and I'm really guilty of trying to find that in between of like sarcasm and like jokes that go a little bit too far, um, and it really makes me feel bad about myself because I'm really convicted about that. And there's some people laughing at me right now because they know it's true. Um, and I, like I, I really struggle with the fact that there's no gray area; it's a life or death matter. And Rachel talked about the death side of that last last week, and how destructive those words can be to ourselves and how destructive they can be to the people around us. But she left us in this place of what would it look like if we avoided words of death and we started to move toward speaking words of life over people. And that's where I want to pick up today because the truth of it is, words have the power and the potential to give life to the people around us. Words have the potential to give life to the people around us. And you've experienced this on some level, whether it's your family um, congratulating you for something that you've worked so hard to accomplish, whether it's on the sports field or academically or in -in fill-in-the-blank extracurricular activity, like, that makes you feel good when people recognize how hard you've worked and how much it paid off. Or maybe you've posted something on social media that you're really proud of or that like you feel like you look really good in. And like all of your friends are hyping you up in the comments and they're like sending it to other people and they're like, oh my gosh, did you see this post? Like that makes you feel good, right? Yes. And then this is the one that I know, well, I hope most of us have experienced. You're at a big social function. You're with your friends. The person that you've kind of had your eye on. You've had a crush on for a little bit. They walk past you, and as they pass you, they kind of stop. They look at you, and they're like, hey, that, that's a really good outfit. I like it. And then they just walk on. They go about the rest of their day probably never thinking about that comment again. But for you, wow! Has your week drastically changed? You are now awake at night thinking about that comment over and over and over again. And you think about wearing that outfit probably a little more than you should. People are going to think you don't do laundry, and... You start thinking of ways, how can I like change this outfit up enough that it's like the same, but it's different, maybe different colors, because I want that compliment again. We know that words have power and that they can bring life. Those words make us feel good about ourselves and they make us want to do things differently. They have the ability to change how we think, how we act, and all of that fun stuff. And the other reason I can tell you that your words have the potential to bring life, is because in God's word, word that we believe to be true, he says this in Proverbs uh, chapter 18, starting in verse 4. He says, The words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. Now, this is important because in ancient culture, most civilizations... Uh, believe that deep water was like the birthplace of chaos and evil and rightfully so because when you look down into the ocean you can't see the bottom and you're like that must go on forever and then when you fish and you pull up something you've never seen before and it looks like it is like like I don't know alien or demonic and you're like put that back get it out of here and like when you go out to sea and there's a storm and your family never comes back because they were drowned like that's Like, that's just like, that's what they thought. They had no, they had no context for deep water besides the stuff we don't like is happening over there. So it was bad. Uh, Can we put the verse back up actually? There's, there's the potential that the words that come out of our mouth, our human reaction, the, the words that come out instinctively, like sarcasm, like words of death, like jokes that cut people down. They're like deep waters that leave people feeling like they're drowning. We steal life from them. We steal life. But there's another option. The fountain of wisdom, words that benefit people, words of life are like a rushing stream. This is the type of water that they would build entire civilizations around. Why? Because it brought life to everything around it. It would make the soil good for growing crops. It would attract animals that they could eat. It was a place where they themselves could drink water and start families. They didn't have to move around constantly. They could live there. And so our words have the potential to be a place of life, a spring of life for the people that we speak to. And the Bible has several other examples, like God literally speaks and the universe exists. Talk about words bringing life. Um, He literally did that. And then in Ephesians, it actually talks about how that same power of God creating the universe is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And if you're a Jesus follower, you have something called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit gives you access to the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, which is the same power that created all life. So literally... As a Jesus follower, you have the power to bring life to the people around you. It's not something to be taken lightly. Every word is a gift. But we have a choice. We can choose life or death. And in Ephesians later on, in chapter 4, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 29, has this to say about how we use our words. It says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. It continues on to say, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. And then, to end it out, he says, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgiving one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Here's some things we can take away from this verse. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and saying, hey, um, the words you say matter, so get rid of words that tear people down, the cutting, the backbiting, the profane language, the foul and dirtiness, there is no place for that. Why? Because your words should help the people around you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have access to something that makes every word you say a gift. Don't waste that gift. See, he's not just writing life hacks to the church at Ephesus. He's not just like, hey, maybe this will help you in your day-to-day life. Maybe you'll get a job who knows? No, he's, he's writing this church specifically because they're located in a very unique spot. Their church is in a city where, like, every major trade crossroad intersects. So, from all of the known world, all art, religion, philosophy, um, ideas, inventions, new products, all of it was coming in and out of Ephesus at any given time. So, Paul recognizes the way that you live, church at Ephesus, will determine how the entire world thinks about Jesus and what his followers are like. So, something that I think is important enough to tell you about in regards to your faith in Jesus is how you choose to speak. And it's not so different for us, is it? We are a reflection of of Jesus, to the people who don't yet believe. The people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis, they form an opinion and a belief about who God is based on what you do and on what you say. And so, how can we make sure, especially as Jesus followers, that our words are a gift, that they are beneficial to the people listening, that they help them? I have three ways that I think Are helpful, and all of these are going to be prefaced with the fact that they are words of truth. Because here's the thing about um, words if they're not true empty flattery doesn't benefit anyone. You telling someone, hey, I'm going to be there for you this day, this time, you can count on me, and then you don't show up, becomes a word of death. There's no action to back it up. So if your actions and your beliefs don't back up the words you're saying, they are not words of life. So the first way, that we can use our words to benefit the people around us, to bring life to those people, is encouragement. Encouragement is this, words of truth that build people up. Words of truth that build people up. This is exactly what Courtney did for me in ninth grade. She saw that I had gifts that God had given me that I wasn't using, and she said, hey, I believe in you. You can do this. When I messed up, she helped me get better. She helped me find a voice within the script so that I didn't just have to read things word for word and I could make it my own. She was there for me in that process to help me be more like God created me to be. That's what encouragement does for the people in your life as well. It helps them grow and become more like the people that God created them to be. Words of encouragement will always bring Value to the people that you speak them to. They remind them of the value that God has already given them and who they are in light of who God is. I experienced words of encouragement like I never have before, literally yesterday. Um, I ran a Tough mutter, and if you don't know what that is, it's a 15K with 30 obstacles. And um, if you can see me right now, I don't look like I should be able to run uh, nine miles uh, and some change. I have like a horrible heart. Uh, I have like allergies right now. So my lungs can't even fully get oxygen like they're supposed to. And we had two months to train and I maybe took advantage of that for like two weeks total. Like a horrible way to train uh, for a race, if, if you don't know. And I had two of my best friends literally run on either side of me the entire race, my friend Luke and my friend Christian, the whole race on each side would just keep saying things like, Hey, we're proud of you for doing this. Keep going. You've got this. Hey, I'm so impressed that you're still doing this, even though you can't breathe right now. Like it was like I I should have never made it past mile three, truly. I really should not have made like when I was training I could barely do a mile without being like, okay, I guess I'm not gonna walk for a week. And like I ran nine yesterday. And I only did it because I had two people who truly loved me and encouraged me through the process. They made me better than I thought I could be because of encouragement. The next way is not as fun as encouragement. The next way is accountability. And accountability are words of truth that provide direction. Now, We don't like the word accountability, do we? No, because that means people tell us what to do. Well, here's the problem. I think you don't understand what accountability is because accountability is not me finding a person in this room that I don't have a great relationship with. And what's your name? Isabella. Hey, you're living your life in a really weird way and I don't think you should do that. You're welcome. I'm so sorry, Isabella. That's not accountability, okay? That's not true. I don't think you're doing that you're doing great. You're doing great. No, you're doing great. Um, that's not accountability. I have no relationship with her. My words should mean nothing to her. They really shouldn't. I'm so sorry. Um, accountability is people who have agreed, people who have agreed to help each other live life better. So you students in this room have entered into an agreement for accountability when you join a life group. That's part of the deal with life groups, is your life group leader is committed to holding you accountable to be there, to show up at United, to be living out the things that we're talking about, not because they're another set of parents that you're supposed to like listen to everything they say, or because they want you to like hate your life and not do anything fun. It's the opposite. They love you, and they want you to have direction. See, accountability is awkward and it doesn't feel good, even when you're doing it with friends. It's hard to be like, "Hey, man, remember when we talked about like how you weren't going to smoke anymore, and like you haven't stopped smoking the entire time we hung out? Um, why? Like that's not a fun that's not a fun conversation to have as a teenager ever. And like so, of course, we don't like it. But I want to paint you a picture. So just right here where I'm standing, from one end of the stage to the other, let's just say there're train tracks. Okay, picture some train tracks in your mind. And I've told you, I'm deciding that no matter what happens, this is where I want to stand. It's my truth. I believe that this is the best place for me. I've done all the research, okay? I know the train schedule. I know the fact that I can stand here and I will be safe and you can't tell me otherwise. Now, if a train starts approaching and I don't move, the people that care about me are going to tackle me off of the train tracks to make sure I don't get run over by a train, And I'm going to fall onto like, you know how like train tracks, they have like that pile of rocks that they're built on. I'm going to hit rocks. So I'm going to get scraped, bruised, bloody. And then I'm going to get in that patch of grass that nobody mows. That's really itchy and full of sandspurs and ants. And I'm going to be pissed. And I'm going to say, what the heck? Why'd you tackle me? The tackle hurts, but it hurts a lot less than getting hit by a train. Accountability... Accountability does not feel good. Accountability does not feel good. But accountability isn't about feeling good. It's about leading people to a better place. So, if you're not responding to accountability that's being given to you, you are missing opportunities of life to be experienced without the consequences of guilt, shame, pain, and regret. Accountability. The next way is maybe even harder than accountability. And that's forgiveness. Forgiveness. Words of truth that bring healing and freedom. And you might be thinking, no, Jacob, I can forgive people that I like. I can encourage and hold people accountable that I like. We're not just talking about people we like. And also, no, you can't forgive people you like. I watch students all the time. They're best friends from 6th grade to 12th grade. And all of a sudden, 12th grade, something happens. I don't know if it's a dispute over a boy or a girl and they're like, "Mm, oh, you knew I liked him and whatever, whatever, like "Ah," all that stuff. Or it's like just a misunderstanding of like, hey, somebody said that you said something about me and then maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but now you're going to not talk to your friend and you're going to cancel them for the rest of your senior year and beyond. Like, that's our default. Our default isn't forgiveness, why do we do this as Jesus followers? If we go back to our verse in Ephesians, uh, verses 31 and 32, the end of that whole thing says that we should be forgiving people as quickly and as thoroughly as God forgave you. Say this with me, starting here, ready? As quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Okay. Okay. Here's what we often do. We never forgive, or we wait for that person to have earned it or deserved it. That's not what that says. See, here's what Jesus did for you. Before you were born and had a chance to make the decisions you made, he died 2,000 years ago. That's quick, okay? Preemptive, in fact. And every single day that you choose to not live a life that honors Jesus, that leads people to life and to love, he's still actively choosing to forgive you. It's a complete forgiveness. There's nothing you can do to escape that forgiveness and that redemption of relationship once you've decided to follow Jesus. So as his followers, if we wanna show people what Jesus is really like, the best way to do that is to humble ourselves before someone else before they have a chance to even explain themselves about the situation hey you you did hurt me it hurt a lot actually but i care more about you as a person and i care, care more about our relationship than about being right or wrong i forgive you and whenever you're ready i would love to start rebuilding the relationship we had now that's hard you know what it's even harder when you're the one who messes up. And when you're the one who messes up, before that person has a chance to talk to you about the situation, you should, again, humble yourself before them and say, hey, I probably can't put to words the damage that I did to our relationship. But I care more about you than I care about me being right or wrong. I'm sorry. Could you please forgive me? because I would love to rebuild the relationship that we had. Have you ever heard another teenager say that to you ever in your life? No. Have you lost a lot of friends because you just refused to forgive each other? Yeah. See, Jesus chose forgiveness, and so his followers should as well. It's a lot easier to choose words of death. I get it. Again, I'm so guilty, of choosing words of death, and I've been really convicted of it lately. It's so much easier to just say a sarcastic, witty comment that gets a couple laughs, but makes someone question how you feel about them. I mean, I'm still thinking about the fact that my fifth grade teachers told me I had no leadership skills. Like, okay. It's a lot easier to just hype up your friends when you know they're doing something wrong. You know they're headed down a path that's going to hurt, but you're like, yes, bestie, go. You got this queen. Like, why do we do that? And guys, we, like, encourage each other to go after girls that we know are going to, like, hurt them in the end just because they're hot? Like, what? Like, why? It's so much easier to do that than hold somebody accountable or give good advice. It is. And it's certainly so much easier to just cancel someone cut them out of your life and never talk to them again, to run away from the problem at hand. That's so easy. Anyone can do that. But these are all opportunities to bring life to the people around us, to give value back to them, to show them how God feels about them, to help them live a life that is more complete than they could live on their own. It's so important that we don't miss those opportunities because when we know that we should be speaking life and we choose not to, we might as well speak words of death. It's just as damaging to withhold words of life as it is to speak words of death. You might be in a position to give life to someone who desperately needs it in that moment. You might be how God wants to re invest in somebody's life. You might be the thing that reminds them the value they have who God created them to be. You might have a conversation that changes the course of someone's entire life because you chose to speak life. When there's only two options for your words, life or death, choose to speak life. John 10:10 10, 10 says this, a thief comes to steal kill and destroy. And there's a thief that has power and influence over this world right now. And his tactics are not limited to just one thing. He loves to use words to steal life from people, to kill the hopes and dreams that they have and to destroy their value. He loves it. It's his favorite thing. But Jesus continues and said, I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. A life so complete that you won't need to look for things elsewhere. If you want to make sure that your words are full of life, there's one thing you can do. It's remember that when we are full of Jesus, our words are full when we are full of Jesus, our words are full of life. The more time that we spend getting to know Him, building a relationship with Him, whether it's in worship, whether it's in quiet time with Him, whether it's here at United, just listening to God's truth, whether it's the way that we act out, whether we believe in God or not, all of those ways that we grow closer to Jesus only reinforce the fact that our words are going to bring life. And so we've been here tonight together we've been filling ourselves with Jesus in worship Jade brought an incredible word about what it's like to lose people and she brought God's truth in that we're about to go back into worship and experience God's Holy Spirit filling us again and so as the band starts to play and and lead us in worship I want everyone to pull out your phone and hold it up so I can see what your lock screen is. Great. Some of you have a dog as a lock screen. Okay. So what I want you to do is before you stand up to be a part of worship, I want someone, I want you to think of someone, the first person you think of, and I need you to act on either encouragement, accountability, or forgiveness, the first person you think of. So if you think of someone, let's say it's your mom, maybe your text looks like this. Hey mom, I know you've been doing a lot for me recently and I cannot imagine that I haven't added stress to your life. I just want you to know I love and appreciate you. I'll see you later. Simple encouraging text. Maybe the first person you think of is a friend that you know is struggling with something and you might just send a text that says, hey, I know you shared this with me. If you want, I I have some things that I think would help you. A simple offer for accountability and for advice. Maybe there's a person not here tonight that you have a broken relationship with. And I'm not talking about dating. Boys, don't text an ex and be like, babe, take me back. Um, But maybe there's someone that you have a broken relationship with and you just need to send a text, whether it's giving forgiveness or asking for it. But don't stand and join in worship until you've sent a text and you've spoken words of life to someone in your life. Don't miss this opportunity to speak life to someone in your life. I'm I'm gonna pray for us before we continue. Dear God, thank you so much that you've given us your Holy Spirit so that we can speak life to the people around us. I pray for each of these students and adults that as they go out this week and for the rest of their lives, they would be choosing to be filled by you so that their words would bring life to the people around them. Help us to recognize the power that our words have and how something as simple as a text can change the course of someone's life forever. You're so good to us, God. Thank you so much for who you are. Let me pray.